Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to the Strike a Post Photo Booth Podcast. This is Jim coming to you from the secret location under the train station. Today, we are going to be talking about the world of fun. We're going to take a look at what things we can do to make things fun for the photo booth, for the customers, and to start taking steps to expand uh, where you're at currently in the business. If you're just starting out, these are going to be great ideas on what to do. Uh, you can start doing them now. You can start to plan out implementing them a little bit down the road. If you are a veteran operator, and I get a lot of questions from the veterans uh, about this, here are some things that you can do to kind of take it to the next level, to uh, change up uh, your offerings a little bit, and uh, kind of put you back in the game and just make things a little bit different. If at the end of the podcast you have any questions or any questions on any of our previous episodes, go ahead and send an email to podcast at sappb.com and let us know what those are and we will get to those for you. Now, the one thing that we need to remember is that you are not limited to the things that come with your booth, particularly if you are a new owner and you received your booth, you've unpacked it and you're looking at this array of things that you have to get your arms around, which you will in very short order. Once you get operating, you're going to notice that, well, okay, the props are great and everything, uh, you know, starting out. But after a while, it's going to kind of dry up a little bit. And not just the props, but, you know, all the options in general. You might get a lot of questions from customers on whether you can or can't offer this. Would you do this or that in terms of like a theme or do you have any cowboy stuff, things like that. And these are things that we have talked about in pieces as related to other um, topics in past episodes. So we're going to kind of just hit those today, all the things that you can do to uh, liven things up, keep the variety going, and also keep it interesting for you. Like I've said before, if you don't have fun doing this business and anything in the entertainment business, it's going to be a rough sell to keep getting business and, you know, you want people to have an enjoyable experience and you need to be part of that experience. And that'll just come so much easier if you're having fun doing it as well. Now, one of the first things we're going to talk about are backdrops, and these are backdrops both for the canopy and for the open booth. And th these are the easiest things that you can do to add to your offerings to kind of keep things alive and jumping and really infinitely changing pretty much. The thing with backdrops is when you get the canopy, there's a traditional red curtain look that goes with a photo booth. The reason for that in the old days, if you remember way, way back when a photo booth could be found in a drugstore or some of the old retail stores, basically those were black and white. And they were black and white for a really long time, even though color film had been around for decades. They kept them black and white. And red is one of those colors that in the background, it, it has the right kind of showing in black and white to bring out the face. It doesn't get the uh, subject lost into the picture. So that became the de facto background. When you think of photo booth, you think of the red curtain and uh, everything that goes along with that. Now, we've come past that. We've moved past the spinning stool, that uncomfortable stool, uh, one stool. You try to get multiple people in there. It wasn't really great. And with those changes, we can start changing out the backdrop. We have the standard red curtain for old time's sake. But if you want to move beyond this, then the thing that you're going to want to do is start looking at different colors. Now, it's real simple to start this process. Uh, basically, just take out your curtain for the canopy and uh, measure it. Get its length, 
get the height, and uh, that's going to be your starting point for finding replacements. Now, there are a number of places online that you can look up uh, backdrops, uh, photo booth backdrops, canopy backdrops, things like that. And those are, are viable places, uh, solutions to have to increase your backdrop offerings. Now, the only thing before we continue on, the only color that I'm going to suggest you stay away from is basically an iridescent blue. Iridescent blue is really difficult to make look good in the background, uh, when, especially in close quarters where you have people right in front of it. Um, it just it's really difficult. Pretty much anything else like uh, bright silver, heavily reflective materials are actually way easier to use. So avoid iridescent blue when you're going through this process and then you don't really have to have anything else to worry about. So to find a replacement uh, curtain for the canopy, like I said, you can look online. You can search out some things and see what they have to offer. You can get basic colors. You can get patterns. You can get sequins. You can get reflective like gold and silver, um, uh, even blue materials. But the one thing that I'm really big on is making your own backdrops. And I've said this before in a couple podcasts, and I've, I've talked to people on the phone over this. Basically, it took me a long time to figure out I didn't have to spend hundreds of dollars on backdrops for my photography. And I realized I knew how to use a sewing machine, very basically. But with that, I started buying old fabric or sail fabric that looked really nice, that would fit my needs. Um, sewing a loop on the top for uh, open booth, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Now with the canopy, it's going to be a little bit different. There's a little bit more sewing involved. But if you can just sew a hem, if you can just sew the edges down along the sides once you measure it and cut it and, you know, leave yourself an inch either on each side so that you can fold it over and, and give it a little hem, you can get Velcro tape and use that, put the tape on the top, and there you go. Boom. It's going to stick inside the booth. So whether you want to take on a whole thing of fabric and cut it down to size and hem it up or just get some curtains and trim them to size and hem up the bottoms, you can easily expand your offerings in terms of backgrounds. Now, this is great because there's patterns. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you can use. So, you know, it's worth looking at. Now, when it comes to doing a backdrop for an open booth, it's a little bit different game. You need a lot more material, obviously. Most normal curtains aren't going to do the trick because they're not that tall. You're going to want those wonderful great patio curtains, uh, things that are like six and seven feet in length. And you're going to need a couple sets so you have enough panels to go across. So that's one thing to consider. Now, you can also just get some material, measure it out to the length that you want. And I usually, when I go with material that I'm putting together or if I'm even looking to buy a backdrop, for a stand, I figure out the length that I need, the width that I need, and I usually add two feet to either side just to be safe. Uh, gives you a lot of play, gives you some extra things that you can do with the uh, material in terms of dimpling and stuff. So you have some room to do that kind of thing. Now, like I said, this is going to involve a little more craftiness. You're going to have to hem the edges because, again, you don't want these things laying with the threads uh, sticking out and fraying and everything around the sides. It doesn't look good. And you're going to have to be able to sew a loop at the top. Uh, just fold it over so that you can slide the uh, pole through it and hang it. But these are really great options, and it allows you to express yourself in your business, and it also allows you to widen your perspective on what you can offer, what would look good behind these people. So give these things a thought. Uh, if you want to, again, search on uh, Canopy 
or photo booth backdrops or even just photo backdrops, go ahead and take a look, get some ideas, go hit the fabric store, see what's going on. Check out next time you're out, go into the home department of wherever you're at, and let's see what we have for curtains and things that we can hang, uh, either to trim in the canopy or to hang off of a backdrop bar, and just see what looks good to you. That's the easiest way to bring yourself forward another few steps in terms of revitalizing your packages, what you're offering, because now you can, you know, we have a choice of backdrops, um, things like that. So well worth it. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about are templates. And I have talked about these many, many times in the previous podcasts. I'll begin about talking once again about darkroomtemplates.com. If you're looking to expand your booth template offerings, because these are the primary output of the booth templates being printed or in digital format, go to darkroomtemplates.com. This is the easiest method available. Now, they might not have tens of thousands of uh, patterns and designs to choose from, but again, especially if you're new, a new owner, an operator, that's the place to start with because when you purchase a template from Darkroom, what you're getting is an actual Darkroom template. You download it and all you have to do is import it into Darkroom. There's no messing with Photoshop, nothing like that. So that's the easiest way to go about this and I highly recommend doing that. There are other template shops online, but all of these will require a degree of proficiency with a graphics editing program like Photoshop or something similar. Uh, some of these things I've covered in, in a previous episode. We have a training video on that as well to talk a little bit about the ins and outs of working with these uh, packages. If you have that creative ability and you want to take it on, then by all means, you know, start shopping other shops online and you can get a lot of stuff that's pre-designed and that's really great for folks. I'm not an artist. I've said that many times. I can't really draw all that well. And even with the help of a computer, I can do some rudimentary piecing together of things to make it look, eh, eh, that's okay. But I certainly wouldn't pour myself into uh, making templates by the dozens. I would really have to rely on somebody else. So if that's the case, do some shopping around and see if you can find somebody who does uh, graphics. There's graphic artists out there who are more than happy to help with this kind of thing because they're getting paid. And it doesn't have to be terribly expensive. So at the very least, it would be worth it to uh, find out who's out there, who's around you, who does this kind of thing. And uh, maybe start making some initial contact, get some prices. What would you cost or what would you charge to do this? I need a two by six template, so on and so forth. And just see what kind of uh, path that would be for you. Is it financially viable? Is it uh, just not within your grasp because you happen to be around people who uh, are taking premium rates? Something to check out. The other benefit of having a designer, a graphic designer, is it eliminates the question of copyright. Now, in our copyright law episode, uh, went on in, in a little detail um, about what it takes to stay compliant with copyright law, not to violate it. More importantly, not to violate somebody's copyright on their work. So with a graphic designer, everything is original. They design it, you own it, you can move forward with it, and it takes the burden off of you. Now, even with that, I still think it is incredibly important for owners to learn how to make their own templates, even if they're basic and on a rudimentary level, it, it can only get better as time goes on. 
And that's important because over time, your brand is going to evolve. You're going to have a logo. You're going to have a way you approach things. And a year from now, you're going to look at it and you might think, hmm, maybe it's time to diverge a little bit and grow in this direction or shift in this direction. And then after two years, five years, 10 years, everything evolves. Every business evolves. So the more you get your hands into it, and that's why I stress this so much in taking the time to learn to create your own graphics and templates or how to procure graphics to use in your templates uh, using third-party software like Photoshop, um, Photoshop Elements, and a number of others, that is only going to help you stay ahead of the game. When everyone else is out shopping for templates and buying uh, the latest holiday templates, we have Thanksgiving coming up, and I'm sure a lot of stores have Thanksgiving-themed templates. That's great. If you want to use them, go ahead. But over time, you want to break away from even if only a thousand owners across the country bought that template, you're missing out on the opportunity to stand out on your own. So that's just one thing that I'm going to continue to stress as long as I can, that putting things in your own grasp is really important. So find the steps to get there. Uh, go to darkroomtemplates.com, learn to do a little graphic manipulation in third-party software, and go ahead and get some other templates. And as you're doing that, it's going to grow your skills. And then you'll be able to jump into one day, I'm going to make my own template and go ahead and go for it. Now, this next bit is something I have brought up before uh, several times. And I've, I think I've repeated it in those times that props are overlooked, really overlooked. Uh, people get the prop boxes, they get prop sets, they go online and they just order you know, whatever set of props they have at props.com, things like that, photo booth, props, all these things, and just kind of let it, you know, roll with that. Now, granted, you don't want to spend a ton of money on props because those have a life expectancy. If you want to be honest about it, if all of your props make it through a session, you're ahead of the game. If they make it through two sessions, even better. You know, props aren't expensive. They aren't sturdy. They're just meant to have fun with, and those are the things that usually go down first in the big photo booth battle between customer and materials. But what you can do is broaden your props. Take it away from props, photo booth props, props.com, whatever it is, and get out there and just kind of put together your own packages. A couple ways to do this. One is I've already mentioned several times, orientaltradingcompany.com incredibly inexpensive, all manner of ridiculous things. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, honestly, will show up on these prop sites. I think they kind of source them from the same place. So you'll see a lot of similarities. There'll be some differences, but it also gives you an opportunity to get out of the prop mentality and just go ahead and take a look at what they've got and see what you can get to work for you from signs, uh, masks, hats, you know, uh, bolos, all that good stuff. And then if you don't want to go the online route, there is certainly things like the dollar store, Dollar Tree, all those things. Uh, plenty of stuff there that you can get inexpensive. And when it meets its its ultimate end, its inevitable demise, then you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be heartbroken over that 50 cent or a dollar uh, piece of material. But if you want to kick this up another notch, there's a couple of things that you can do. Is what one of those is make your own props. Now, you're not going to make your own masks. That seems a little bit tedious for the return. But you can certainly put together little things. One of the things that I've been talking to people about is especially making your own signs. Those little prop signs are great. People have a lot of fun with them, but they're pretty standard. 
not a lot of variety once you look at the scope of it. And if you want to really kick this up, all you need is any software that will print. So you've got Microsoft Word, you've got pages for the Mac, you've got just a bunch of stuff out there. If you can make your own signs, you're taking a first step into a really big world of doing it yourself. And it doesn't require a lot of time. It's still pretty cheap. And you can really kind of step apart from or step away from those standard signs that we find in most of those packages. Making a sign is pretty easy. Number one, got to think of what you want it to say. Number two, you can grab some graphics or even use uh, built-in graphics. A lot of uh, word processing software has some uh, edge graphics that you can apply to a document, and that'd be enough to get going. Make a trip to Michael's or your craft store. All you need is a little bit of foam board. I would say cardboard, but cardboard dimples a little too easily, um, and that they won't last as long. So get some really thin foam board, get a sheet of that. And if you're making signs that are like six inches by four inches in height, you're going to get a lot of signs out of that sheet of uh, foam board. And then really all that's left after that is get some dowels or some flat uh, wood sticks so that you can uh, mount the signs to them. And then lastly, you're just going to want to get some photo paper. Almost every inkjet on the planet will print on photo paper, be it HP, Brother, Canon, whatever. doesn't have to be expensive photo paper. It doesn't have to be glossy. It can be matte, whatever. But it's just photo paper is just a little bit thicker, takes the color better. And also when you glue it to the foam board, um, it's, it's not going to show dimples uh, through the paper with the glue. So Really, some kind of adhesive. You can use like Elmer's glue stick. You can get some spray adhesive. They have those at craft stores. Uh, I use those a lot making greeting cards uh, with my photos. Uh, spray adhesive is pretty durable. All these things, once you put them together, it might seem, well, you know, if I spend 40 bucks on materials, I don't know how many prop sets that is. But again, when you think about it, if you're making tiny signs, you can churn out tons and tons of these and they're your signs. Nobody's going to have anything like it. And more importantly, once you get this kind of established in a pattern, you can talk to a customer and you can customize signs for them. You don't even need to tell them. But after talking to them about the event and, you know, finding out what it's about and who's going to be there, you can make some signs. And I tell you what, people will really, really take notice of these little tiny details when they go into the photo booth and it's a say it's a wedding reception. If your little prop signs have the name of the bride and or groom or something related, they're going to notice that. So that's really uh, one of those big things that makes it worthwhile. Now, this has just been about signs, but there's so many other things that you can think of to do. I mean, really just walk, I love walking through Michael's. It's just fantastic. Um, I'm not a crafty person. I wish I were because I get all kinds of mad inspiration to make things that I don't even need. Uh, it can just be fun. And I can only imagine doing this day in, day out, Go ahead and make myself some props, come up with things. Excuse me there, I'm losing my voice today. Not to mention, uh, for their craft kits, they have a lot of things that you can find in a prop kit, and, and they're not going to be much more expensive. Uh, and they also have bags of stuff that you can use. So really, it just makes sense to start looking into it. These are things that you can do to bring yourself out of a rut, to bring yourself into a world of expansion if you're feeling like uh, i need to expand they're not expensive 
They're not gadgety. They're not worried about software features. They're just the physical elements that a lot of people just overlook when they think of what can I do different. They think in terms of really theatric elements, and which isn't bad, but these are just super simple methods to help take you from where you are to the next level or even two or three levels and to do it repeatedly because this is the kind of stuff that can go on and on and on. When you do it once, it doesn't mean it's done. Next year, two years, five years, 10 years, you can always keep doing it. And again, hopefully it adds a little element of fun for you to kind of get in there, get up to your elbows in it and make some things and kind of razzle dazzle people. Like I said, personalized signs for an event, crazy appreciated by folks when they realize what's going on. And that's going to lead us a little bit into the darkroom tip of the week. Uh, it's not so much with the darkroom software, but something to consider when using darkroom. In the past, we have talked about fonts and some of the problems that can arise when you get a template designed on one computer that has a specific font. You move it to the booth computer. Even though the font is embedded in the template, if it's not on the booth computer, then it will replace it with something it thinks is similar. This can be frustrating and certainly something that everyone wrestles with from time to time. Now, the one thing that you can do to improve Darkroom's font performance is look for fonts. There are thousands of places online that if you do free font search that are gonna come up in a search result. Unfortunately, I have to say most of those are bogus. Yes, the fonts are free, but when you download from one of these places, a lot of bad things are going to happen. They, they're malware, viruses, things like that. And it wasn't too long ago that it was okay to do this. Now that they, they've been picked out as kind of an easy target to put uh, viruses and malware in and hide them uh, for unsuspecting people, it's become more prevalent. So one of the things that I would recommend that you do if you are looking to expand your fonts, simply go to the Google Font Marketplace fonts.google.com. A lot of these fonts uh, are packages that you'll have to pay for. And that's kind of the thing with fonts. Anything that's worthwhile is something that you're going to end up paying for. So as you're looking, you know, you need to kind of think, is this something I'm just looking for this specific instance, or is this something that I'm going to incorporate from this point forward in a number of templates? If it's a one-off deal, then, you know, the easiest thing to do is just talk the customer down to a similar type font. But if it's a very specific thing that they want and you think you might have a use for it, go ahead and go to the Google font repository and search through, see what they've got. Uh, odds are you're going to find something. The places that go through there are reputable and uh, it's just a much safer way of doing things. So any font that you install on your booth computer, you are absolutely going to want to install on your home computer or whatever computer that you use to build templates on, and then move them over to the booth computer. The font has to be on both places in order for it to carry over. Um, but again, this is a really simple way to expand what you have in terms of your template looks, uh, and fonts can make a world of difference. So we just passed through Halloween. A lot of scary Halloween-themed fonts were out there. Now that we're coming up on the holidays, they're going to have more Christmassy, uh, more... Uh, Thanksgiving themed fonts and probably some emoticons and things like that. So go ahead and go to fonts.google.com, see what they have, uh, start working with there. A lot of stuff to search on. 
and uh, you know, hopefully you'll find something that you're looking for specifically or at least something very close. Any place else, I would just be very cautious. It's better to be safe than sorry. I would rather limit myself to a known safe uh, selection than go out and run out and say, hey, that's exactly what I'm looking for. But, you know, if it's coming from this sketchy site, is it really worth possibly losing my computer to a virus or malware? So all of these things, when wrapped together, they can just really evolve your offerings into ways that you might not even begin to imagine because inspiration comes from all kinds of places. That first idea that you get is a great idea, but you don't even realize what that idea is going to breed down the road. So truly, try to take some things into your own hands, uh, get in there, try to make some things, try to you know put together your own backdrop if you can, let's make some signs, uh, get out there, download some free graphics software, there's a lot of stuff out there that's free, either in trial or just, just free overall. Those are things that we've gone over in a previous uh, podcast and is also uh, listed on a, a training video on our training site about third-party graphic software. Have a look at that if you haven't already. And really just kind of, you know, throw yourself into it and make it more fun for you. So that's going to do it for this week. And I hope everyone going into this Thanksgiving season, which is going to lead very soon to Christmas, is really just pushing it and having a great time doing it. If you have any questions, anything that you want help with, go ahead and reach us at podcast at sappp.com and I'll be happy to get with you. I'm hoping you all find continued success day after day in everything that you do. And until I talk to you next time, I'm going to wish you all once again, happy boothing. <laughs>